0: WCNC Charlotte, this is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint, I'm Ben Thompson. If you have been to the hospital recently, you know the sticker shock. You get the bill and you see a list of confusing and costly charges, that's even if you do have good insurance. Well, the state treasurer is now on a mission to change that. Jordan is now, North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell, Mr. Treasurer, thanks for coming on Flashpoint once again.
2: Um, It's great to be with you.
1: Uh, All right. So you have referred to uh, hospitals as as uh, health healthcare cartel. Um, I'm sure you didn't make too many friends uh, with that description. Explain what your quest is here to try to make pricing a little more transparent. Anybody who's been to a hospital any time recently know how expensive it can be, even with insurance. What are you trying to do here?
2: Uh, simply put, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get rid of secret pricing uh, so that the majority of North Carolinians, and especially those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve who are on the state health plan, uh, can figure out uh, when they have to consume health care uh, what it costs. As, as your viewers know from my visits in the past, as the state treasurer of North Carolina, when I attempted to find out what we're paying for health care in this state, Uh, on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve. Uh, This is what was returned to me as the master charge list. Uh, Every single page was redacted. And the fact is, is that we have so many of our citizens who will never be able to see themselves way out of poverty because of things having to do with healthcare billing.
1: And, and, And this is sort of part of become personal for you because uh, as a treasurer, you're sort of in charge of state health insurance plans, 750,000 employees. And, and so you, you have a vested interest as being our treasurer, being a good steward of our taxpayer money to, to see these prices come down. But of course, it, it impacts everybody, state employees or not.
2: Well, it definitely impacts everybody. And, you know, former treasurer Harlan Bowles, who wore this very lapel pin, talked about this four decades ago. Uh, state auditor Beth Wood talked about this 14 years ago. Uh, Bill Gates 12 years ago, Warren Buffett four years ago, and even Senator Elizabeth Warren. Talks about the fact that uh, rising health care costs and things associated with medical billing are the leading <laughs> causes of bankruptcy uh, in the United States, and I suspect that's also. Uh, uh, applies to North Carolina and you know when I said earlier, a lot of people can't see themselves uh, out of poverty because of things doing dealing with health care. Health care owns North Carolina now and Wall Street owns healthcare, And, you know, for most of our lives, we've often heard the term and making ends meet. Uh, ends will never meet as long as people have to consume a product that they'd rather not consume, or no one will tell them what it costs. And then when they don't pay for something that no one would tell them what it costs, then they have the potential of having their credit rating destroyed. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say is that you can't talk about uh, a breadline unless you've actually stood in a breadline, line. Uh, last fall, I had a procedure that took eight minutes that cost $6,000. It was an image. And this is going on all across North Carolina. And I've personally uh, put myself in collections on this particular bill. And because, as I said earlier, uh, you can't talk about what it's like to be in a bread line until you've actually stood in one. And so what we're what I'm drilling down now as a consumer is trying to figure out, you know, to what extent people will go to uh, to get these medical bills uh, collected. And this is even complicated more by the fact that these are uh, multi billion dollar corporations who disguise themselves as nonprofits who don't pay income tax, sales tax or property taxes. And the reason they get these billions and billions of dollars of tax exemption Is because they're supposed to be offering charity care and whether it's the report that our state health plan partnered with johns hopkins university uh, five weeks ago or or the latest one from rice university it shows that there's a huge gap uh, between the amount of charity care that these multi-billion dollar corporations are offering uh, versus what they're supposed to be offering and on top of that There's the potential of $175 million worth of medical debt in North Carolina, uh, where people should have been entitled to the charity care, uh, but were not offered. Uh, The fact is that these charity care, nobody is holding anybody accountable or responsible for the charity care. And I'm the keeper of the public purse, but in addition to that, I'm having to protect the consumer, especially those involved in the state health plan.
1: What you you are one man. Granted, you you are a powerful man. You're the state treasurer, but you're one man. What what can you do about this? What what is your uh, your strategy here to tackle this?
2: Well, the strategy is, uh, and you know, it's 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 ironic. Uh, I'm a lot older than you are, but if you live like I did during the '60s, you you would uh, know that you know the positive changes that evolved in the '60s were not as result of lawmakers, uh, because. Uh, when I use the word cartel, cartels are associations which are formed to restrict competition and raise prices. They have power everywhere. They control the supply of health care, they control the access to health care, and they control the price of health care. So uh, both the previous president and the current president of the United States have issued and strengthened executive orders to make so that these health care prices are more transparent. But even in a recent report uh, in the Wall Street Journal, uh, even Google and Apple could not figure out what healthcare costs are. My point of telling you that is that people are no longer going to tolerate, no longer going to be punished, no longer going to be discriminated against uh, because of what's happening with healthcare costs. Not only what's happening to them, but the fact that they may be charged of a much different price than someone who goes in for the exact same procedure. So the public is keenly aware of exactly what's going on there. And so we're starting to write the music uh, that will ultimately change the behavior of these cartel-like activities.
1: Uh, it strikes me there's, there's a different dynamic. You've got urban hospitals like, like Atrium here in Charlotte and Novant that, that, that do very, very well. But then you have rural hospitals you hear about closing down. Um, what's, what's the difference as you see it?
2: There's no one who has closed down more rural hospitals in the last 20 years than these big cartel-like hospitals in these urban centers. And we have new information that we're developing right now that talks about the the rope a so to speak, associated with rural hospitals. Uh, Having high-quality, independent, profitable, accessible rural hospitals is highly important. Uh, that's why, as the state treasurer through the state health plan uh, three years ago, we exalted primary care physicians by paying them more. Uh, we exalted mental health specialists by paying them more. It's why we have so many great partners like Trion medical in your in your very viewing area uh, that are part of clear pricing. So the fact is, is that this is a multi-dimensional problem, but there's one thing that's absolutely certain. The consumers of this state continue to be punished. Especially harmful to lower fixed-income individuals, and the fact is, is that this industry has spent forty years building up this uh, the, the secrecy associated with all this. And even when the previous president and the current president of the United States issued executive orders for them to stop their behavior, they still don't stop. All right, Treasurer Del Palo.
1: Mr. Treasurer, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it
2: thank you and you can read these reports at nctreasurer.com uh, just go to the press releases and you can actually click on the report from johns hopkins university as well as rice university
1: always good to arm our viewers with more information all right mr treasurer thank you by the way we should say the north carolina Healthcare Th- association who treasurer falwell is taking on has long wielded power in state politics and government the association even endorsed his opponent in 2020 cody hand the vice president for advocacy and policy at the association told the assembly i don't care what dale falwell calls us in public referring to the cartel uh, comment he can do what he needs to do there the offer is still on the table that we would like to work together to achieve a common goal and i mean work together i don't mean tell us what you're doing and we say yes more flashpoint after this Welcome back to Flashpoint. A frenzy of filing this past week. Candidates can once again officially file to run for office after a state Supreme Court decision. Joining us now, Catawba College professor uh, Dr. Michael Bitzer. He's an expert on all things redistricting. As I always say, literally wrote the book on this topic, like literally has the book. Um, So a bunch of ground to cover. Uh, So are these the final definitive congressional maps that we got this
0: week? With all fingers crossed, I hope so. There is the potential, however, for an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court that could involve a potential federal question regarding the congressional district maps, and that could be the only potential roadblock that I see moving forward to having the May primary and ultimately these maps holding. But that potential is still out there, but I think we are close to the finish line. That'd be a pretty big deal if it happens. All right, let's pull up
1: the yes. the, the congressional map, um, and we should say the the state legislative maps are, are less of an issue because um, the the Supreme Court signed off on those that had already been done by the Republican lawmakers. It was right. they had the special masters redraw the map that folks see right now, and I don't think you can see this right now, Bitzer, but it's uh, it's a map uh, of of the congressional map as they drew it. Um, Mm -hmm. Broadly speaking, because I'm going to drill down on some of the specific districts here in Charlotte, but broadly speaking, with people looking at this, what are your biggest takeaways?
0: I think the biggest takeaway certainly for mecklenburg and the charlotte region is that the city of charlotte basically gets split into two congressional districts the 12th and the 14th and what's very interesting was that 14th district was originally designed to be a kind of landing spot for north carolina speaker of the house tim moore that district has shifted so much now and is much more democratic that I think right now, Mecklenburg could be represented by two democratic uh, members of Congress. The other big one to watch is the 13th congressional district that covers the southern half of Wake County, specifically Raleigh into Johnston and a couple other counties there. That's an open seat district. No incumbent is currently representing that particular area, and that's going to be probably the KEY SWING DISTRICT IN THE STATE TO WATCH IN TERMS OF THE DYNAMICS OF WHO can POTENTIALLY CONTROLS THE CONGRESSIONAL DISTRICT, REPUBLICANS OR DEMOCRATS, OR COULD IT BE A CONCEIVABLE 7-7 SPLIT IN THE CONGRESSIONAL DELEGATION? ALL RIGHT.
1: LET ME ASK YOU A a SIMPLE QUESTION. IT'S A SIMPLE QUESTION TO ME. I THINK IT'S A SIMPLE QUESTION TO THE VIEWERS. I KNOW POLITICIANS WATCHING THIS will, WILL THINK IT'S A LOADED QUESTION, BUT WE GOT A NEW SEAT because of our population boom in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That population boom happened mainly in, in two big areas, the Charlotte area, Raleigh area. Why else would that seat go anywhere else than if not Raleigh, why would it not go in the Charlotte area when that is where the population boom happened? You talked about the, the areas west of, uh, of the city of, of Charlotte and that it could go to a, a different area, but this is where the population boom happened. Why would it not go here?
0: biologic that's the way it should logic. have been played logic. out
1: see that's what you're talking you're yeah. talking logic
0: <laughs> logic is what i'm talking about the reality is politics REDISTRICTING IS THE MOST POLITICAL ACTIVITY IN AMERICAN POLITICS NOWADAYS, AND WHAT THE REPUBLICANS WERE VIEWING IT AS, THEY CERTAINLY UNDERSTAND THE POLITICAL GEOGRAPHY OF NORTH CAROLINA. THEY UNDERSTAND THAT DEMOCRATS CONTROL MOSTLY URBAN AREAS. THEY ARE CONCENTRATED IN URBAN AREAS, BUT REPUBLICANS ARE MORE SPREAD OUT. AND SO IF YOU GO BACK TO LAST FALL, WHEN THE LEGISLATURE DREW THEIR FIRST MAP, THE 14TH DISTRICT STARTED IN in Mecklenburg, but went west. And that was a very Republican area, Gaston County, uh, Cleveland County into Rutherford, Lincoln County. Those counties are heavily Republican. So Republicans were doing what they typically tend to do, and that is draw partisan dynamics to favor their party over the other party. And that was the rationale behind how that district has shifted from a Republican district now to most likely a democratic
1: one all right let's uh, zoom in now again on the closer look of, of some of the local districts and, and you've been talking about this but but as it appears right now the t- 12th district there northern charlotte and, and then northeast of that uh alma adams that that looks like that would be a pretty secure seat for her uh to remain her district changing a little bit we've um, yes. got the eighth district to the right uh dan bishop territory that district has changed but it is still still appears to be fairly safe for him
0: Yes, by my calculations, if you look at the three big elections out of 2020 presidential, Senate and gubernatorial, the 8th district would basically be a two to one Republican district, whereas the 12th district, Alma Adams, would be a two to one Democratic district. And then
1: that 14th district, the one that we've been talking about um, again, this would be. Does this basically mean that Charlotte is getting more representation now in Congress?
0: YES, I THINK CERTAINLY THAT Charlotteans CAN SAY, YOU KNOW, MY CITY IS SPLIT, BUT NOW I HAVE TWO MEMBERS OF CONGRESS TO REPRESENT THE INTEREST AND CONCERNS OF CHARLOTTE. NOW, THESE TWO DISTRICTS ARE MOST LIKELY GOING TO BE DEMOCRATIC DISTRICTS. BY MY CALCULATIONS, THE 14TH DISTRICT COULD BE A 5842 DEMOCRATIC DISTRICT. IF THE DEMOCRATS LOSE CONTROL OF THE MAJORITY IN THE U.S. HOUSE OF REPRESENTATIVES, those two Democrats would become members of the minority party. So there is a real balance in terms of the partisan dynamics. This is just the way that Charlotte has been trending, that Mecklenburg County has been trending. Much more democratic urban counties are doing that across the nation. North Carolina is no exception. Uh, you, you hear Republicans crying to foul about this.
1: Um, I feel like this is what happens now, is, is that when the maps are drawn to favor the Republicans, Democrats complain when they are drawn to favor the Democrats, the Republicans complain. This is what the ongoing conversation you and I have been having for years now about can we find a, a, a fair way of doing this. But Republicans are, are already saying, all right, guys, you want to do this, but, but come next year, we're going to get our way
0: exactly and i think that the word is on the street now not just for control of the general assembly that will control the next round of congressional redistricting, because remember, the court said this this map only holds for 2022's elections. Next year, the legislature will have to redraw the congressional districts. The other key dynamic, watch the election to the North Carolina State Supreme Court. Two seats are open for election, one a reelect, the other an open seat. Republicans have vowed they are going to capture at least one of those seats AND THEN THE DYNAMIC WOULD SHIFT TO A REPUBLICAN MAJORITY ON THE STATE SUPREME COURT AND THEY WOULD MOST LIKELY OVERTURN THIS PREVIOUS DECISION TO SAY PARTISAN GERRYMANDERING IS UNCONSTITUTIONAL IN NORTH CAROLINA AND THEN WE COULD SEE A SIGNIFICANT REPUBLICAN ADVANTAGE IN DRAWING THE NEW CONGRESSIONAL MAPS FOR 2024 AND BEYOND. THE MAPS THAT WE'VE BEEN LOOKING AT THIS MORNING, uh, DO YOU CONSIDER
1: THEM TO BE MORE PROPORTIONAL, MORE COMPETITIVE THAN than WHAT REPUBLICANS CAME UP WITH A FEW WEEKS AGO?
0: I think the key difference between what the Republicans came up with the second redraw and what the court did was exactly that. The Republicans actually had several competitive districts. If that map had held, North Carolina would hold probably the most competitive districts in one state for the entire nation. What the court did was shift it from competitiveness to proportionality. And I think that that's the real dynamic at play here between these two maps
1: interesting interesting so uh maybe less competitive which honestly i think most voters would want things to be competitive because when there there's competition these politicians democrat Republican, got to work for your vote and they don't just you know sort of glide in on the coattails uh, of others so um go ahead real quickly
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think the other key thing is, can these districts be responsive to the will of the voters? If the will of the voters goes Democratic one year, the districts reflect that. If it goes Republican the next time, it reflects that. That dynamic really isn't at play in these new maps.
1: All right, Professor, always the smartest man when we talk about this topic. We appreciate it. Take care. More Flashpoint coming up after this right here on WCNC Charlotte. This upcoming week is the last week that CMS students will be required to wear masks in the classroom. This past week, the CMS board voted to go masks optional starting March 7th. WCNC Charlotte's Shamaria Morrison shows us how the district leaders came to the decision.
3: The CMS superintendent says his recommendation for schools to go mask optional on March 7th aligns with state and local guidance.
0: Dr. Washington, who will come before you um, shortly, uh, has stated that he believes that our community will be out of the high substantial spray category by March 4th.
3: Mecklenburg County's health director says he supports the district's decision to go mask optional.
0: It's really important for individuals who uh, would like to wear a mask to wear one and to be comfortable uh, to do so and to not feel any judgment as a result of
3: it. Superintendent Winston says the district won't tolerate bullying when masks become optional
0: that absolutely applies for those students and staff members who choose to or who choose not to wear absolutely. a mask
3: some board members wanted to go mask optional as early as february 26th but a motion to do that failed
0: i don't understand when the experts say hey in our county what we need to do is move on the 26th i don't understand why we're not moving on the 26th.
3: Most board members agreed they needed to give staff and students a time to transition. I do believe that keeping it on the 7th will allow students to see in these two weeks what they feel more comfortable doing. The board says there may be a time to go back to mask mandatory, but for now, the science is clear. Mask optional is safe in schools. In Mecklenburg County, Shamaria Morrison, WCNC, Charlotte.
1: More flash point after this. And folks, come interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as well. If there's something you want us to cover on Flashpoint, let me know. As always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend. Have a great week, everybody.